Why don't we clap our hands unto the Lord? Hallelujah. Anybody glad to be in the house of the Lord on a Tuesday night? I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. What an honor and a privilege it is to be here. Amen. Standing before you, I give honor to Bishop Mayo in his absence. Amen. Sister Mayo, God bless you. Give honor to you. And um, if you have your Bibles tonight, the book of Judges chapter number 7, as you're turning there, I also want to say that I love my wife, my children, and I would not be who I am and where I am today without them. Amen. Anybody love God's word? Amen. The book of Judges chapter number 7 will begin in the first verse We'll read several verses of scripture. If you're there, say amen. In fact, let's go to the fourth verse. Just testing you. Amen. Judges 7 verses 4. And the word of the Lord says, And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people are yet too many. Bring them down unto the water, and I will try them for thee there and it shall be that of whom I say unto thee this shall go with thee the same shall go with thee and of whomsoever I say unto thee this shall not go with thee the same shall not go so he brought down the people unto the water and the Lord said unto Gideon everyone that lappeth of the water with his tongue as a dog lappeth him shalt thou set by himself. Likewise, everyone that boweth down upon his knees to drink. And the number of them that lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, were 300 men. But all the rest of the people bowed down upon their knees to drink water. And the Lord said unto Gideon, By this 300, uh, by the 300 men that have lapped, Will I save you and deliver the Midianites into thine hand and let all the other people go every man unto his place? Let's put our Bibles down. Let's slip our hands into the air and let's just love the Lord one more time. Thank you, Lord, for your word. God, I know that your word is anointed. I know that your word is sharper than any other two-edged sword. I pray, God, that you would allow me to be the oracle of your word at this moment that you would touch the hearts and the ears of the hearers, that they might receive with meekness the engrafted word of God. In the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. One more time, why don't you clap your hands unto the Lord and give him some praise. God bless you. You can be seated. Regardless of his reluctance to accept the calling of God on his life, Gideon was a consecrated and prayerful young man. He complained. He had low self-esteem. He came from a poor family, but he prayed and was consecrated. When God would talk to him, he would doubt God, and as we like to say, he would fleece God, but he was still a consecrated and a prayerful young man. God would challenge him to tear down the idols 
And despite the peer pressure, he obeyed God. God would then ask him to defend Israel from the Midianites. And he again struggled. Low self-esteem. Doubting God. Fleecing God. But through his ups and through his downs, Gideon remained consecrated. We never once get the impression that Gideon was perfect. But it's very clear that Gideon was prayerful. And tonight, you might be struggling and you might be having your own mountain to valley experience. But if you can grab a hold of consecration and if you can grab a hold of prayer, amen, you can make it. Hallelujah. But in order to defend Israel from the Midianites, Gideon would need the help of his friends, his countrymen, his comrades. He managed to recruit an army of about 32,000 soldiers. But according to God, this was too many. If they won, they would personally take the credit for the victory because of their numbers. So Gideon sends 22,000 men home leaving roughly 10,000 men. But for God, this is still too many. You have to remember that he don't share his glory with nobody. God then informs Gideon that he would do the final sorting of this final and last group of men. God commands Gideon to lead his men down to a river to observe how these men would drink water. From there, it would be once again a process of elimination. The first group to be sent home, the Bible says, were those who lapped water like dogs. I don't know about you, but if I went anywhere out to eat with someone, <laughs> that'd be the first person I sent home as well. They started lapping up their soup or water like a dog. The second group to be sent home were those who knelt down with faces all the way to the water. The only group that was left were those who drank water from an upright position out of cupped hands. Biblical expositors have long tried to explain the unusual way in which God had Gideon vet these men for military service. It's rather unclear how the manner in which a person drank water could be a military disadvantage. But you have to remember these are not ordinary people who fight with ordinary methods. These are God's people, and Gideon is God's man. And God has expectations of his people, and he had expectations of Gideon. The Bible tells us that Gideon was one of the few judges in the book of Judges of whom it was said the spirit of the Lord was upon him. And just as God required spiritual consecration from Gideon, it would also be required of those closest to Gideon. Those who lapped the water like dogs and those who knelt with faces all the way to the ground unintentionally revealed at the river that day that they had become accustomed to the posture of the worship of idols in their private lives. And tonight I want to preach to you about the price of unconsecrated friendships and unholy alliances. I want to preach to young people who are struggling to, to find friends who are godly, amen, who are Holy Ghost filled, who are consecrated. I want to preach to young people tonight 
Amen. Who are being tempted to lower their standards for friendship in order to be popular. But I'm telling you, God didn't call you to be popular. He called you to be peculiar. And I'm telling you, uh, I know this is a Tuesday night, but I have a burden for young people. I tried to get out of preaching this message, but I felt it so strong tonight. Uh, you don't have to backslide to find friends. Uh, amen. You don't have to compromise to find friends. Uh, you don't have to let down your standards to find friends. The first group that had to go. We're the dogs. Amen. All of us have had a dog for a friend. I'm not talking about Scruffy or Fido. Amen. But there's three categories that I want to talk about tonight. The first was the dogs. The dogs have to go. Amen. The dogs will cost you. Amen. Delilah cost Samson his anointing, his strength, his vision, and ultimately his life. You know, you don't have to lower your standards to find a spouse. Can I just preach to young people tonight? Because if you have to lower your, span, your standards to start dating them, you'll have to lower, keep lowering your standards to keep dating them. You don't have to backslide, find a spouse, and then come back. That's not the will of God. I'm sorry, but it matters where you meet your spouse. Hey, man, you don't, listen, don't go out there and try to meet your spouse in a bar. Actually, you know, I met my wife at a bar. I met her at the coffee bar of her church, of her home church. <laughs> Cornerstone Cafe, you better watch out. It matters where you meet your spouse. Because if you have to lower your standards to get in that relationship, there is no bottom to what you'll have to do to keep and maintain that relationship. You just go ahead and hold your head high, and you keep being on a righteous young man or a righteous young woman, and go ahead and believe that God... There was a young man by the name of Reboam. He was a king, but his friends, his friends got in his ear about one particular subject, and that was how he was, so, how he was supposed to deal with his money. And let me just tell you this. Don't, don't listen to you. Listen, I'm, talk, I'm preaching to the young people tonight, all right? So let me just get down here. Don't let your friends tell you how to spend your money. You will be broke. I'm telling you, I've... Growing up, I had friends volunteer my money before I even got paid. I mean, I was buying stuff. Man, I was going in on deals. I'm telling you, but nobody, none of them were telling, them, telling me to pay my tithes. <laughs> they would spend my money for me. And listen, this young man let people get in his ear about how he was supposed to deal with his money. And the Bible says that he did not defer to the counsel of his elders. And because of that, the kingdom of Israel was literally split into two. Into the kingdom of Judah and the kingdom of Israel. Because he decided to defer to his friends on a subject that he had no business deferring to his friends. 
I'm telling you. These are the dogs. They'll make you lower your standards. They'll spend your money before you even earn it. And I'm telling you, there's got to be a standard that you maintain in your life that says, I don't care how lonely I get, I won't fellowship with dogs. Because they don't have, their, they don't have your best intentions in mind. You have parents, you have godly, you have mentors who love you and they'll, and they'll, And then there was Jehoshaphat. I like Jehoshaphat. He was a good kid. He, w- he also happened to be a king. You know, he just strikes me as the very innocent type. Not very street smart. And his best friends, or some of his best friends, um, was a guy named Ahab and his wife Jezebel. And his friendship with them almost cost him his life. One day Ahab convinced Jehoshaphat that they should go to battle. And that they should switch clothes. Ahab had a lot of enemies. And he figured if he could convince Jehoshaphat to go to battle with him and get him to wear his clothes, you know, he could probably get out alive. I'm telling you, there there are people that, that you might think they're your friend, but they will set you up in two seconds. When the rubber meets the road and it's their, and it's their neck or your neck, guess whose neck is going to be? That's not the type of friend you The Bible tells us about a young man by the name of Amnon. And many of you know this story. I won't belabor you with the details. They're rather uncomfortable. But he had a friend by the name of Jonadab. Jonadab, in my opinion, was the worst type of friend you could ever have. He was the friend who was sharp. He didn't go and went to college for psychology, but he had a very, very keen sense for what his friends really wanted. He had a keen sense for what they were looking at and what they were eyeing and what they'd been uh, uh, gesturing towards. And he had a way of picking up on their predilections and making sure that somehow he could arrange. I'm telling you, there are some people, and man, they hate your purity. And they'll see a weakness in your armor. And they'll see a little bit of, they'll see a chink in your armor. And they'll devise a way to exploit. I'm telling you. If this is not the truth, I have to tell you the truth. <laughs> because I'm telling you, there are too many lessons that you could avoid. If, if I... Can I get some parents to just back me up? Can I get some godly parents uh, who've been trying to help their children, who've been trying to steer them? and you, Because there's influences, uh, and, there's, and there's messages, and, there, and there's words, and there's narratives that are floating around, and you, see, and you see what's going on. I've come tonight to preach to a young person that you don't have to have. You don't have to crash and burn before you decide out, before you find out who your friends really are. You don't have. You don't have to get hurt, abused, mistreated, manipulated, lied on, cheated on, stepped on. Before you find out who your friends really are. And I'd rather have a few that were good, godly, prayerful, apostolic. Oh, come on. Somebody help me preach this tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's not about the quantity. It's about the quality. You know, we think, you know, I'm consecrated. I'm living right. You know, it's okay if I have friends who are, you know, 
they're not living right. I can handle it. Well, I would politely beg to differ. Amen. There was friendships I thought I could handle. And they ended up handling me. I thought I was in control. You know, I thought we were unequally yoked, but I thought I, was, I had the unequal pull. That was not the case. You see, the reason that you had to yoke up oxen that were equal in stature is because inevitably the one that was larger would begin to pull the yoke on the one that was smaller or shaped differently. And that yoke would begin to rub the skin and then cut the skin and then break the skin. And then it would begin to fester. And then it would begin uh, to become infected. And it could eventually kill that oxen because of an unequal yoking. And so you might not feel it immediately. But over time, oh, there goes a cut. Wasn't expecting that. Well, let's just act like they still love me. And then that cut gets opened once again because you thought they would change. And they don't change. And then now it's festering and then now it's infected. At some point, you just got to take the yoke off and heal. At some point, you got to say adios. At some point, you got to invite them to the block party, if you know what I'm talking about. The blocked contacts. <laughs> At some point, you have to say, I'm sorry, I love you. Apparently, you don't love me, but I've got to do what's best for my life, for my sanity, for my health, for my walk with God. You see, the defining characteristic of a dog, according to the book of Proverbs, is that dogs return to their vomit. Listen, if we had a dollar for every time we made an excuse for a good friend, just to watch them go back and do the same thing to themselves or to you, it's frustrating. I mean, look, I don't have a dog, but if I saw my dog returning to his vomit, I mean, I'd be calling the pound. I'm kidding. <laughs> That's why I don't have a dog. <laughs> but the Bible tells us about a young man by the name of Adonijah. Adonijah ran to the altar only when he got caught. And the Bible tells us about Esau. Esau cried only after he sold his birthright. And listen, I, I want to be careful in how I say this, because there's all types of friends, friends in church, out of church, and every situation is different. But I want to say something, because I've grown up in church all my life, so most of my friends were in church. And there's going to be times where you're going to have to discern if someone is in the altar because they got caught, and if they're crying, because they got caught. And the way that you determine is if they keep getting in trouble, in the, listen, if they keep trying to pull you back into the same old mire and muck, and it's two weeks after summer camp or summit, <laughs> you have to develop a backbone of convictions 
to love them and say, you know what, I just can't do that anymore. I, rem- I, remember, I remember being in that position. I- I'm not talking about being on the position where I had to. I remember having a friend tell me, because, you know, I'm going to out myself. You know, back when we were kids, you know, a lot of church kids were sissy cussing. And, man, I'm just going to preach. And I had a friend tell me, you know what, I'm just not doing that no more, dude. You know, all these little Christian cuss words that people got. But you know what? I say, I'm not doing that either. Listen, if you don't develop consecrations, you might be, you might be enabling somebody else's downward trajectory. And if you would learn how to develop a strong personality that loves people, that loves God, that loves salvation, that loves life, that loves the thing. You can provoke them to good works. So the dogs have to go. But that's not the only group that had to go. The second group, amen, was a group that was in between. Amen, this group was lukewarm. Amen, this group was not quite idol worshiper, not quite fully devoted. Somewhere in the middle. Amen, they weren't dogs, but if you could allow me poetic license, they were bogs. They were the people who would bog you down or hold you back. They might not be outright vicious or malicious, but they refused to let you grow. And I'm telling you, these, um, these, these are the difficult ones because there are people that you love and you've grown up with. But at some point you realize that there's been a stagnation. And they want you to stay there with them. But God is calling you. God is calling you because you're supposed to preach. God is calling you because you're supposed to play an instrument. God is calling you because you're supposed to teach a Bible study. And if they see you grow, they get intimidated. Because they ain't going nowhere. I need somebody to help me preach this. Listen, some of you have friends from your childhood. If you thought of them right now, you know what they're wearing. You know, what, you, you know where they're sitting right now. You could probably, within three guesses, find, they've had the same number for 15 years. I'm kidding. But at some point, you have to decide, man, Can I grow and still be friends with this person? And sometimes you don't have to make that decision. You just grow and they'll let you know, well, you know what? I'm not into all that. You just go ahead and grow. It doesn't mean they hate you. It doesn't mean that you hate them. It it doesn't, there's, there's, there's no ill will. I mean, there's, there's no bad blood. It just means that you grew up. Listen, every... If you're between the ages of 16 and 26 here tonight, and man, if you're, if you're over that age, you're 30 and above, I'm telling you, every adult in this room can tell you that the friends they have right now are not the friends they had when they were age 17. I, I promise you. Now, if you, have a fr- if you have a few friends who grew with you through that process, you ought to be thanking God. And so there's that second group. They refuse to let you grow. And I'm telling you, it's your job and it's your responsibility to grow at any and all costs. And this might be hard, but there are some people who will see you and they will be challenged and they will be provoked to good works. And when you make it to the next level, they're there with you. 
And when you decide to teach that Bible study, they'll join you. And when you decide to step up, they step up. And when you join the choir, they'll join the choir. I'm telling you, you ought to be thankful. I'm thankful tonight to be preaching to a group of young people who are committed, amen, to a godly life, amen, who refuse to let down their standards, amen, who refuse to compromise, who refuse to let a friend tell them how they should dress or think or act or spend their money, who refuse to hamper their own personal growth, amen, in order to accommodate the insecurities of someone who don't want to go nowhere or do nothing or be somebody. I want to be something in the kingdom of God. And if you'll join me, we'll go there together. But I'm looking for someone who will say, give me just 300 and we'll do what 30,000 could never do. Hallelujah. This final group that was left was a smaller group. They didn't have the numbers, but they had the consecration. They didn't have the power, but they had prayer. They didn't have I can remember a time in my life as a young person where I would have done anything to have more friends. And I'm thankful for, you know, I went to private school and I thought, well, if I could just go to public school, what, <laughs> wow, what a crazy thought. And my mom looked at me and said, no. And I cried. Let me tell you something. If you get friends when you're lukewarm, they'll be lukewarm. And so in retrospect, I thank God for the times that I was lonely and isolated because I was moving through a phase of lukewarmness. And if your friends are a reflection of who you are at that moment, I would have got the wrong friends. Listen, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not, saying, I'm not saying it's simple. I mean, to be, nothing's, harder, nothing's harder than feeling alone or lonely. But nothing's worse than being trapped in a toxic friendship. And I had to get to the point all the way after I made it through and after I worked through all the, the little bugs that you got to work through. And I'm still working through some of them. Hallelujah. Amen. Every now and then I see a number pop up on my phone that whoa that's a blast from the past amen and i invite him to the block party i'm just kidding but i had to come to the place where i recognized that if god were to have given me friends in that particular point in my life it would not have been good for me because it would have been a reflection of the spiritual pathologies that I was trying to work through at that time. And God says, let me wait. Let me work on you. Let me shape you. And let me mold you. And all of a sudden, I found myself doing things. I found myself engaging in the work of God. And then I began to get friends who were engaged in the work of God. And I found myself praying. And all of I'm telling you, you do what you're supposed to do, and God will give you friends who are supposed to be the... Hey, 
I remember I, I was about 18 years old, and I called a friend of mine, and I said, you know, I had this radical idea. I said, we are going to have an all-night prayer meeting. I actually called a few friends. Only one showed up. I mean, well, it turns out now he's my brother-in-law, so it was a good test. <laughs> and so we went to the church, and we put on some preaching tapes, and I mean, it was wild. I mean, we'd never done this before, and uh, there was one other young man who joined us. I mean, we started praying. We started interceding, and slowly, I mean, people just started to leave. It was about four of us, and at the end of it, it was just my uh, future brother-in-law and I. And um, he's not here to defend himself, and I will say that he did eventually fall asleep. But, <laughs> but we prayed just about all night, and at some point, God is my witness, the light started to flicker. I mean, we were like, look, all right, we were just trying to be consecrated. We weren't trying to fight devils. Um, and so we left, we went to Denny's, and <laughs> I said, we didn't sign up. We didn't sign up for the flickering lights and all that stuff. Amen. But I determined in my mind, I'm just going to do something different. I'm going to try to level up, and I'll see who ride the river with me. And I guarantee you, if you decide tonight, I'm stepping my game up. I'm going where God wants me to go. Somebody will say, I'm going right there with you. I'll join you. You'll be consecrated. I'll be consecrated. Oh, somebody stand up to your feet and help me preach this one more time. I'm telling you. You don't have to pay the price of the unholy alliance. Stand up tall, young person. Stand up tall. Be godly. Be good. And then be faithful. Be prayerful. And God will bless you with friends. Somebody lift your hands all over this place. I'm almost through preaching if the musicians would come and help me. Tonight, I'm preaching to young people. I and mean, some of you I know have heard this sermon before, but I couldn't get away from it tonight. I and mean, in fact, uh, um, not long ago, I preached this sermon, and there was a young man in the congregation. I had no idea he was there. And um, he began to, to weep and to cry and to pray and to speak in tongues uncontrollably. I, mean, I don't know who he was. And in the middle of altar call, his mother came to me and said, you have no idea what you just preached. And man, she said, this is my son. He's just now received the Holy Ghost for the first time. I didn't preach Holy Ghost. I just preached on friends. And man, but he started speaking in tongues. And he was slain in the spirit. His, his mother told me before he came here, he was telling us in the car that his friends, his worldly friends, were telling him, how much of a loser he was for, for beginning to go to church. And they were threatening to abandon him. And they'd given him the ultimatum. Us or church. And listen. When you're a young person, that hurts. Listen, if you're any person, that hurts. I don't care how old you are. And it's so easy to feel overwhelmed by the sense of loneliness and the trap of myopia. The devil wants, doesn't want you to see beyond today and see the people God's going to bring into your life. They're going to come alongside you, put their arm around you, pray for you, love you, pour into you, encourage you. 
But until you look first and foremost for your feelings of loneliness and isolation to be fixed in the presence of Jesus. You see, shared experiences that makes childhood friends. But as God begins to shape you and mold you as a young person, he begins to put convictions and values in you. And the friends I've made in the past two or three or four and five years, the bond that was created was almost instant. And yes, you're going to have the friends that when you go back to your hometown, they're still riding BMX bikes or whatever. They'll always be there, but I'm telling you, it's a lie from the devil that you have to compromise and let down your standards in order to have good godly friendships. Let's lift our hands right now. In fact, I want the young people to come up front. I rebuke the, I rebuke the devourer today. You don't have to backslide. All the young people, come on, come on. 5, 10, 12, 17, 19, 25. In the name of Jesus. We're going to sing in just a moment. If the, if the adults, the parents, if you'd come and just help me pray. I believe under the sound of my voice. They are young men and young women with callings of God on their life. And one, and one wrong choice with who you decide to ally yourself with can either demolish or delay your calling. Gideon couldn't have one person in that group compromise that operation. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying you can't have any people who are not saved that you're working on. I'm talking about your inner circle, the people you go to war with. When the rubber hits the road, the people you call. And tonight, this is the river right here. This right here is the river. The young person holding your hand and with their hand around your shoulder, these are your brothers and your sisters. I feel the Holy Ghost so strong, right? Let's lift our hands, right? Let's begin to pray. In the name of Jesus. 